reading today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, starting at verse 18. And you'll find this on page 1039 in the Bibles in the pews. Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, starting at verse 18. Once, when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, Who do the crowds say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you? he asked. Who do you say that I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my, my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. This is the word of the Lord. that page, please do keep it open. Uh, it'd be great to uh, follow along in um, Luke chapter 9. Um, if we've not met, uh, my name is Andrew. I'm the curate here at the church. And I'll just get this as well. As you can see, no expense spared. The latest technology. So uh, this will be coming back to that shortly. Well, what is the most important question in the world? We just had it in our reading, then if you spotted it, it is this. Who do you say I am? On the lips of Jesus Christ. A question from Jesus to us. Who do you say I am? For each and every one of us, that is the most important question that we can answer, get it right, and we gain everything. 
get it wrong and we lose everything. Who do you say Jesus is? Well, let's take a moment to pray for God's help as we look at this challenging passage. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. You tell us in your word that it is able to divide soul from spirit, joint from marrow. You are able to cut right to the heart of us for our good. And Father, this is a challenging passage for all of us, whoever we are, whatever we believe. And so, Father, would you speak to us this morning and enable us to hear that we might go away changed more into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And we pray that in his name. Amen. Well, don't you just love the exchange between Jesus and his disciples in this passage? Jesus, who do people say that I am? Disciples, well, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say one of the prophets. Jesus, but who do you say I am? Peter, you are the Messiah, God's Messiah. Jesus, don't tell anybody. And you think, think, what? Peter's just got the answer right. And Jesus is like, now don't tell anybody. Well, why? Not so long ago, Jesus had sent them out proclaiming the kingdom. But weirdly, at that point, they didn't even know who Jesus was. They hadn't yet fully grasped that he was the Messiah. And now that they have... Jesus says, don't say anything to anyone. Well, because they had loads of ideas about what it meant to be the Messiah. They thought Messiah meant conquering king, glorious leader, military savior. They thought that the Messiah would be the one behind the entire nation of Israel, behind whom the entire nation of Israel would unite and kick out the Romans. Peter confessed Jesus to be the Messiah, but almost everything they thought about what it meant to be the Messiah was wrong. And that is why Jesus said at that time to them, do not tell anyone who I am. And so Jesus begins to teach them what it means for him to be the Messiah. This is verse 22. And Jesus said, the Son of Man, that's his term for himself, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders the chief priests and the teachers of the law and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life not a military saviour not a glorious leader not a conquering king but a humble leader a lowly saviour a suffering king The disciples had loads of ideas of what it meant for Jesus to be the Messiah. And almost all of those ideas were wrong. But here's the problem. So are most of ours. So are most of our ideas about what it means for Jesus to be the Messiah. Now, this is church. um, And so many of you would say that you're Christians, that's why many people are here on a Sunday morning. 
Um, and so I suspect that in this room, if I ask the question, who do you say Jesus is? I reckon a majority in this room would get the right answer. Um, they would say something along the lines of the Son of God or the Christ. Probably fewer would say what Peter said there, the Messiah, because we don't tend to use that term as much. But uh, Christ is just the, Jewish, sorry, the Greek translation of Messiah, so you're basically saying the same thing. Son of God, Christ, Messiah. I realize also um, there are some in the room who do not hold the same view of who Jesus is. Some of you perhaps consider Jesus a good man, uh, a prophet maybe, but not Christ, the Messiah in human flesh, God in human flesh. We'll keep listening because God wants all of us to know how vital the right answer is. But here's the thing, even if we're like Peter and we get the right answer about who Jesus is, we say that Jesus is the Messiah, so often I think, someone looking in on our lives and asking the question, what does it mean to be a Christian? I'll work it out by looking at these people who say they're Christians. I think many people looking on at our lives would conclude that for Jesus to be the Christ means a nice little bonus add-on to our normal lives. A bonus get-out-of-hell-free card that we pop in our wallet and put in our back pocket and carry about without too much extra thought. That to follow Jesus means to say that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah. To come to church on Sunday and then with that box ticked, well, the rest of the time we can just roughly get on with our lives the same as everybody else. And to be honest, isn't that what we all want? A comfortable life here, not causing anyone any trouble, not causing anyone, not, not being caused trouble by anyone else, and then the reassurance of heaven in the hereafter. And I'm going to move this up so it's slightly closer to me. What we all want, naturally, what I want, is I want to save my life here, a nice life here, nice and comfortable, and I want to save my life in eternity. Comfortable now, a good life now, the good life now, and then an even better life in eternity. Why would you not want that? Of course, that's what we all want. But that's not what it means to follow Jesus. We need to hear these words of Jesus as much as Jesus' first disciples did. Read with me again from verse 23. Then Jesus said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the Holy angels. Jesus' words, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross 
daily and follow me. In the UK, at the moment, um, we live in a highly unusual place, time and place, where for a few hundred years, it has involved relatively little loss of life to be a Christian. So much so that even the phrase, cross to bear, has taken on a kind of light metaphorical meaning. You know, someone's got a gluten allergy or a gammy leg, and we say, it's just their little cross to bear. Well, when Jesus said these words to his disciples, the cross wasn't jewellery. The cross wasn't church ornamentation. The church wasn't white marble headstones. Sorry, the cross wasn't white marble headstones. The cross was a brutal, basic, splintery, bloodthirsty method of torture and execution. And for many throughout history, to take up the cross, to follow Jesus... Well, that has not been a metaphorical taking up of the cross at all. For Jesus' first disciples, history doesn't allow us to be sure how all of them died, but these nine at least we do know. James, beheaded. Peter, crucified, upside down. Matthew, killed with a sword. Nathaniel, whipped to death. Andrew, crucified on an X-shaped cross. Thomas, run through with a spear. Matthias, he's the one that replaced Judas, stoned until he was almost dead and then beheaded. The Apostle Paul, tortured and then beheaded by the Emperor Nero. Only John died as an old man, but he spent most of his later years working in the mines on the prison island of Patmos. Anyone who would follow me must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow. And as we thought about in the prayers as well, for many today, it is not metaphorical. Just the recent news section on the Barnabas Fund website reports 20 killed and over 100 injured just a week ago when a bomb went off in a cathedral in the Philippines. Libyan authorities recently uncovered the mass grave holding the bodies of 34 Ethiopian Christians executed by Islamic State. In late December, two Christian brothers sentenced to death in Pakistan for posting Christian materials online. Also in December, a Sri Lankan pastor abducted, taken to an unknown location and tortured with electric shocks until the following day when he was found unconscious, dumped by the side of the road. What little suffering most of us face by comparison for being Christians. For most of us, a bit of mockery, a bit of sneering, some exclusion from the in-crowd, some misreporting by the liberal media. And having been accustomed to decades of Christianity being mainstream culture, how easy for us to be self-righteously outraged about the way that we're often treated. And I think as society does change, it's okay to be sad about that. We probably should be. But we shouldn't be surprised. We should expect it. What we are seeing is a return to Christian normality 
this is what it has been like for most Christians throughout most of history, throughout most of the world. And so no wonder that it is increasingly the same for us. It is increasingly the case that, again, Jesus' words are shameful in our society. Take Jesus' claim that he is unique, that he is the Messiah alone, that he alone is the way to God. Not Islam, not Hinduism, not Buddhism, not Baha'i, not being a good enough person. Only by confessing that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God, and by taking off our cross and following him, can we know God. Jesus' words. And when that discussion comes up in the staff room, or the office kitchen, or with family or friends who don't believe, or who belong themselves to a different faith, what do we say? Do we deny our desire to be liked, our desire to be approved, our desire to be accepted, and do we lovingly explain the way of salvation through the Lord Jesus? Or are we ashamed of Jesus and his words? Or Jesus' teachings on marriage and sexuality, that there's only one place for sex, committed, lifelong marriage between one man and one woman. When that conversation comes up, what do we say? Do we deny our desire to be liked and approved and accepted and lovingly explain that God's plan for human sexuality is better than the world's way? Or are we ashamed of Jesus and his words? Even more significantly, are we living out God's teaching? Or are we professing Christ with our lips but denying him with our lives? Or money. How do we use our money? Is there any denial of self, any loss of life when it comes to our finances? Is there anything in life that we say no to in order to sacrifice and give money to the cause of the gospel? Now, I know for some that will be impossible, that might be unwise. But for some of us, for some, the question might be denying that desire for a second home or a second car. But for many of us, it might just be denying that desire for a second can of Coke or a second latte in order to give more to the gospel. Deny self, take up cross and follow. Now, the risk is often as we hear these kinds of things, we think, well, I believe in Jesus. I believe in God. I think, I think I can save my life here and save my life in eternity. Uh, a number of years ago, um, the then principal of uh, Sydney Missionary and Bible College, David Cook, was doing a session on preaching. I mean, he made this helpful point to a group of preachers. He said, in every passage, you want to look for the impossible application. What is the thing that this passage cannot possibly mean? Because in every group of humans, most of us will be trying to live out the impossible application. Listen as I read the words of Jesus again and see if you can spot the impossible application. 
Jesus' words. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. This is the impossible application. That I can seek to save my life here, daily, and save it in eternity. The only way to save life here is if I lose my life now. This is deny myself, take up my cross and follow, and then save life in eternity. But whoever, Jesus says, seeks to save their life now will lose it in eternity. If we refuse to deny ourselves, refuse to take up our cross, if we never sacrifice, never suffer, never follow, if we never let Jesus disagree with us and then go his way instead of ours, then are we following at all? But also in a group this size, I know there'll be others thinking, oh gosh, am I doing enough? Am I denying myself enough? Am I sacrificing enough? Am I taking up my cross enough? Sometimes I know that I try to hold on to my life rather than being prepared to lose it. Sometimes I am ashamed of Jesus. Well, do you remember anyone else in the Bible who was ashamed of Jesus? Peter. Three times he denied Jesus. And Jesus died to forgive that ashamedness. And he welcomed Peter back in. And Peter continued to fail, but he continued to believe. He continued to follow, and ultimately he took up his cross and lost his life. Remember, we aren't denying ourselves and taking off our cross in order to earn our place in eternity. No, to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, to follow, shows that we have put our trust in Jesus. To deny ourselves, to take up our cross, shows that we are following in Jesus' footsteps. He is not asking us to do anything that he did not first do. He asks us to follow him. If sometimes we slip, sometimes we fall, sometimes we take the easy way, sometimes we're ashamed of Jesus' words, but then we repent and we ask for forgiveness and we recommit ourselves to following, that isn't failure. That's the Christian life. Well, the true Messiah was a suffering Messiah. The true Messiah had to suffer and die to himself. And true followers will do the same. Following Jesus means being willing to lose your life. Peter came to understand, and he did follow, and he did lose his life. But ultimately, if we look at now, and then we look at eternity... Does anyone who loses their life now make a sacrifice? No, absolutely not. This is our passage today. There are some passages in the Bible that are all kind of encouragement and, and lightness and joy. 
And there are some passages that are challenging. And this passage is just challenging, start to finish. But the final verse, in fact, the final two verses, we'll be looking at verse 27 next week. The final couple of verses show us the implication that there is glory coming. For those who are faithful, for those who follow, for those who are not ashamed, there is glory coming that will outweigh what Paul later in the Bible describes as the slight momentary affliction of this life. And I know every time I hear slight momentary affliction, the temptation is to think, Paul, you, what planet were you living on? And then you read how much Paul suffered in his life, and he was still able to call this life a slight momentary affliction because of his words, the eternal weight of glory, that eternity will be so much greater and so much longer that this life will seem but a slight momentary affliction. We will be able to say, I made no sacrifice. Whoever is not ashamed of me and my words, says Jesus, I will not be ashamed of them when I come in my glory and in the glory of the Father and in the glory of the holy angels and I will welcome them into my glory. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you were our humble leader. You do not call on us to do anything which you yourself did not do. None of us will suffer anything like how you suffered for us in your life and in your death. And so you know, you know what it is like to be reviled, rejected, shut out, excluded, mocked, and worse. Please would you give us eyes to see the glory that awaits and with joy to walk your road. And we pray that in your name and for your greater glory. Amen. hard words to hear and even more difficult to live but thank God that Jesus makes it possible for us to live this way to deny ourselves to take up our cross and follow him in the way what a savior what love it is